from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I hope you will take the time to visit our ministry website, where you can find an amazing collection of video, audio, and digital resources. It's all available at djkm.org. Questions and their answers often provide us with much-needed direction. Young people are often asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Considering that question often shapes our vocational calling. As we grow older, the questions become more difficult. Where do you want to go to college and what do you want to study? Here also, the answers provide direction. The same is true with personal questions. Eventually, most young men will have to ask, and most young women will have to answer one of the most nerve-wracking questions of all, will you marry me? And each answered question prompts new ones. What about children? Where should we live? Should we buy a house? And so on. But as important as these questions are, there is another class of questions we sometimes call life's great questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going and how should I live my life? Modern societies and cultures generally have secular answers to these questions. But Christianity answers life's great questions in ways so unique that it shapes not only our direction, but our destiny. Dr. D. James Kennedy takes us deeper into these vital questions in his sermon, Noble Origin and Destiny. And now may we hear his word, as it is found in the Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 1. The inspired and infallible word of the living God. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man? that thou art mindful of him, or the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor 
and it set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And may God, by his Spirit who inspired the writing of this word, illumine it to our hearts and minds this day. And may his name ever be praised. Amen. The college questions. Do you remember them? Where did I come from? Why am I here? How should I live? Where am I going? Who am I? Well, now those are some of the most important questions any person is ever going to have to answer in or out of college. And if you've never wrestled with them, then God apparently wasted a brain on you. Because if a person doesn't examine such tremendous questions as those, we wonder what they're living for at all. Now there are today basically two different sets of answers to those questions. They are diametrically antithetical one to the other. There is the one which is given by the person who believes in creation, the creationist. And his answer, where did I come from? I came from the heart and mind of the almighty and omnipotent and omniscient God, that I have been made a little lower than the angels. Who am I? I'm a child of a king, a prince of a royal realm. Why am I here? I am here to serve and glorify the Almighty and to enjoy Him forever. How should I live? I should live according to the commandments which He has given me in His Word, which are designed for my good and my advancement. Where am I going? I am going to paradise, which is beyond my comprehension. For I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart and mind of man what God has prepared for them that love him. Yes, for the Christian, for the creationist, it is a noble origin and a noble destiny. And in between, our lives are crammed full of meaning, value, significance, and purpose. But the other set of answers are those given by the adherents to evolution, those who trust in that system which is taught in every public school in this country or practically the world today, a set of answers which are being learned by most all of our students in school from kindergarten through graduate school. Bertrand Russell, 
one of this century's leading philosophers and skeptics and atheists, unbelievers, evolutionists, who wrote a whole book entitled Why I'm Not a Christian. He failed to mention in his book his multiple adulteries, repeated fornications, his seduction of the daughters of his hosts, and many other sins too numerous to mention, which are the real reason he wasn't a Christian. But he told us what life was all about and answered these questions. He said, we came from we know not where. We are here. We know not why. And we go to some oblivion we know not whither. And those are the answers to the basic questions of life that Bertrand Russell has given to us. And in spite of the fact that they have nothing to offer, they have completely dominated our world today. <clears throat> Ernst Mayer, professor at Harvard, one of our leading evolutionists, says that man's world Man's worldview today is dominated by the knowledge that the universe, the stars, the earth, and all living things have evolved through a long history that was not foreordained or programmed. Rene DeBoss in the American Scientist magazine says most enlightened persons now accept the fact that everything in the cosmos, from heavenly bodies to human beings, has developed and to continues to develop through evolutionary processes. Uh, as another scientist said, evolution is the totality of reality. Well, my friends, the totality of reality is, is God. And for such adherents as these, evolution is their God, as Darwin himself one time candidly admitted. Well, what kind of a view of man do we find that is given to us here? Is man a noble creature with a noble origin and a noble destiny? Well, here is what they say. A mere insect, an ant, a fungus on the surface of a modern planet. Did you, did you get that, all of you fungi out there? A rope stretched over an abyss, said Nietzsche. Small potatoes and few. A jest, a dream, a show, a bubble, air. A hairless ape. This is what man is, next to nothing at all, and yet, this is what our students are being indoctrinated with from kindergarten all the way through graduate school. It's no wonder that self-worth has gone right down the tubes and that millions of students are running around trying to discover some sort of self-image that's worth having. Because if you believe that you're nothing but an accidental happening in the slime, it doesn't create much self-worth at all. 
And yet, this is exactly the kind of thing that has been said to our students over and over again. And thus, the honorable place which had been given to man is quickly aborted and man is dragged down into the slime. As one writer said, the evolutionary view of man leads to frightening conclusions. If you think it's just a theory in a classroom and biology, let me say that it applies not only to every academic discipline there is, but also to everything else. It applies to international relations as well. Only the most benighted in our time do not know that Marx thought that evolution had given him a pseudo-scientific foundation for communism, so much so that he wanted to dedicate his book Das Kapital to Charles Darwin, who at least had the good sense at the urging of his wife to decline the dubious honor. Or that Hitler was a zealous follower of Nietzsche, who was a devoted evolutionist, and that the idea of the super race grew out of Nietzsche's concept of the superman, and that Mussolini was always quoting evolutionary catchphrases and believed that peace was anti-evolutionary and that war is what drove the race on to new heights. Mao Zedong was also an evolutionist and killed 55 million Chinese in the process. What we believe about man has very real consequences in how they are handled. My friends, may I say that the view of evolution is directly responsible for about 200 million deaths in the 20th century alone. It is an issue of tremendous significance. You're just not worth anything at all, folks no more than a grain of sand, and you take it up by the handfuls and throw it away. And that's what these people have been doing throughout the 20th century, just taking it by the handfuls and throwing it away because it has no real value at all. Our brain, this mighty brain, which one writer has pointed out, is capable of containing more information than all of the 21 million volumes in the Library of Congress. A brain that, if it were built by human beings, would be larger than the Empire State Building, take the electricity to run it that would power a city, cost billions of dollars, and then could not originate one single thought, which we produce by the millions. But the evolutionist view is, as Harvard behavioral psychologist B.F. Skinner, one of the leading movers and shakers of human thought in this century, said, thought is, so to speak, the secretion of the brain. The brain secretes thoughts the way the liver secretes bile. You see, it's nothing nearly as significant as you thought it was. And so his book is beyond freedom and dignity because, you see, you have no freedom and you surely have no dignity. Life, bah, it is the cheapest 
of the cheap. And you wonder why people can do the kinds of things that they do to other people? It's because of what they have been taught and what they have come to believe. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Dr. Francis Schaeffer summed up their whole view of life when he said that the concept of man's dignity is gone. We are in the post-Christian world. Man is junk. If the embryo is in the way, ditch it. If the old person is in the way, ditch it. And if you get in the way, you got it right. Evolution can only create an environment of meaninglessness for life and worthlessness for man. Let me say that again. This is what the evolutionary view of life creates. Meaninglessness for life. It has no meaning. It has no purpose. It's just an accident that took place in the slime or in the clay. And worthlessness for man. You know, fortunately, there have been those who have been honest enough to admit how they feel about all of that. Skeptic W.O. Saunders, an evolutionist, an unbeliever, said about the materialists and the, and the unbelievers for him, he said, there is only the grave and the permanence of matter. All he can see beyond the grave is the disintegration of protoplasm and psychoplasm of which the body and its personality are composed. But in this material view, I find no ecstasy nor happiness. Is this the end of all of human life and endeavor? Therefore, I would try to convey to you and to your mind that you might know something of the wistfulness and the loneliness of the man who does not believe in God. I thank God that according to his word, what is man? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Thou hast given him power and dominion over all things. Thou hast placed all things under his feet. What is man? He is a prince or princess in a royal realm. His origin comes from the heart and mind of God, and his destiny is in paradise forever and ever. And it is not even entered into the mind and heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. This is the glorious origin and destiny of all that trust in Christ. If you, dear friend, are one of those that is still sitting in that shadow and that valley of darkness, one who has no hope, has no meaning or significance, sees no value to life, if you have no expectations beyond the grave, if your final companion is not to be the Christ 
of God, but rather the conqueror worm in the grave, then I would urge you to lift up your eyes unto the cross. If you would find meaning and value, if you would find your origin and destiny, this is the one. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is the one who has gone to prepare a place for us in paradise. This is the one who is the creator of the galaxies. This is God, the Son, who came and died, and by his death, he gives such value and such meaning and such purpose and transcendent worth to human beings as could not even be conceived in any other way. If you would know of your origin, if you would know of your destiny, then open your heart and invite him to come in. May we pray. O oh God, our Father, our hearts go out to those who have no hope, who look forward to nothing but the disintegration of their protoplasm, where there shall lapse both the consciousness of existence and the consciousness of ever having existed. O oh God, by bonds of love, draw them unto Calvary, that they may step through the open door of that cross into a glorious inheritance of which they have never even dreamt. I pray it in Christ's most holy name. Amen. Hello, I'm Rob Pacienza, senior pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. As Dr. Kennedy mentioned in his prayer just now, were you being drawn to the cross of Jesus Christ? Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, yours and mine, and he purchased a place for us in heaven, which he offers you right now as a free gift. We can't earn it, and we don't deserve it, but we can receive this gift by faith, which means we transfer our trust from our own efforts to get to heaven to what Jesus did for us on the cross. If you would like to receive this gift, we can go to God together in prayer right now. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and that I have sinned in my thoughts and actions. I repent and ask you to forgive me and help me to follow you. Thank you for the free gift of life now and with you in heaven someday. In your name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, Jesus Christ says, He who believes in me has everlasting life. To help you begin to grow in your new life in Christ, we'd like to send you Beginning Again. This is the book that Dr. Kennedy wrote for new believers. You'll find the book of John from the New Testament, and I recommend that you begin reading a chapter a day. There's even a section with answers to some of the questions you may have. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number, and God bless you as you do. As Dr. Kennedy explained, for those who know Jesus Christ, we have discovered that we have both a noble origin and a noble destiny. We know exactly where we came from and exactly where we are going. Our calling is not some mystery, 
but is made known to us through the word of God and the outworking of his will. How different from the shadowy and indistinct picture painted by Charles Darwin, whose evolutionary ideology asserts that we are the blind products of time, chance, and matter. While not widely understood, our culture and the world around us has been shaped by the ideas of people long dead. But though they are no longer with us, their ideas continue to mold and shape our culture, often in destructive ways. Because it's vital that we better understand the present-day consequences of these ideas, we want to send you an important book called Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave by Dave Brees. The ideas of these seven men, including Darwin, Karl Marx, Sigmund Freud, and John Dewey, still exert a powerful yet mostly unseen influence on our daily lives. But this extraordinary resource does more than just outline bad ideas and false doctrines. It consistently points us to the truth which demolishes each false cultural narrative and reveals the way back to cultural sanity. We would like to send you this powerful book, Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave, as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or you can go online to djkm.org. One of those seven men, Karl Marx, propounded radical economic theories that resulted in the deaths of scores of millions of people. Yet even in America, a stronghold of free enterprise, his ideas are still popular. Former presidential candidate Bernie Sanders is a confirmed Marxist, even though he prefers other, more disingenuous labels. With a significant number of young people confused by the siren song of socialism, it is crucial that you know how to answer with truth. We have exposed the fundamental deceitfulness of socialism in a hard-hitting DVD program entitled Three Big Lies of Socialism. And we will send it to you as well as the book Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave as our thanks for your generous donation of $50 or more to the ongoing work of this ministry. As you donate, you will be helping us to broadcast gospel preaching and biblical analysis on the major cultural issues of our time. You will also be helping us to make a difference through initiatives like our D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Statesmanship in Washington, D.C., and our lawsuit against the Southern Poverty Law Center. So please, give generously. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. 
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.